You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Kate, episode 10. Yes, we made it. (laughs) We have made it. What's this one about? Uh, Today we want to do a really sort of brief overview on investing in shares and the Australian share market and what it is, how it works and how you can potentially use it in Mm -hmm. your investing journey. Cool. I feel like I'm going to do a lot of talking in this one. So Yes, I think this is your bread and butter, Owen. (laughs) It is. So why don't you kick off and just explain what the Australian share market is? Yeah, so often you'll hear about it as the ASX, so the Australian Stock Exchange. Um, It's essentially a big supermarket to buy these companies in Australia. So companies are able to list on the Australian Stock Exchange and it means that individual Aussies like you and me can buy $500 parcels of um, any company that's on the exchange. So there's exchanges all over the world. Um, in America, there's multiple exchanges all competing <laughs> for your business um, and some have different purposes. But um, it's essentially a way that you can buy into companies that you believe in in Australia. Okay, so I'm picking up what you're putting down and one of those things is that if in Australia you'd probably see more Australian companies but on the foreign exchange, like a US exchange, you'd see more US companies. Yeah. So different companies can, like Chinese companies can list in Australia and vice versa, but um, usually companies are listed in the same country that they're operating in, but not always. So it's always, always pays to be careful. Yeah. So for example, if you wanted to buy uh, Microsoft shares, you would find that on a US stock exchange, not the Australian one. Yeah. Right. So you'd need a US 
brokerage account for that to yep. happen. Right. Okay. But if you wanted to buy shares of an Australian company, say like BHP or Commonwealth Bank, yep. you could do that in Australia, right? Yeah. And you can just set up a brokerage account and buy those shares. Okay. So what is a brokerage account and what are the steps involved? Yeah, so most financial institutions offer brokerage accounts. It's essentially the way you can buy a piece of an Australian company that's listed on the ASX. And um, there's quite a few in Australia, so you, it's mm-hmm. good to compare them for price. And I think we've mentioned that in an early episode, but I'll link to some comparison sites for brokerage accounts in the show notes. Um, but it's essentially that middleman that facilitates the per- purchase of shares in an Australian company. So they do all the paperwork for you um, all digitally nowadays, but they will find a buyer or find a seller for what you want to buy or sell. Okay. So, you know, some people see when they look at like the the Hollywood movies or whatever, there's always these people on Wall Street and they have these pieces of paper and really fancy suits and they're going crazy and they're <laughs> like holding these pieces of paper in there. So that's not what it's like in Australia? No. Yes. No. Okay. I think it used to be like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so the pictures you see in the newspapers are not what happens in Australia. It's all really digital nowadays. Yeah, so I should reflect on something. So in Australia a long time ago, we used to be known for our our wool exports, uh, exports like sheeps. You know, they produce furs and you would use that for whatever. But you would go to a place where you would tra- trade wool. So yeah. someone would come in, I've got this much wool, I'm here to sell it, and they would be in this room. And then the room was effectively the market where they would – exchange prices and all the rest of it. And then similar thing with shares. There used to be people called chalkies and chalkies were typically young males or females that would work inside the stock exchange room and they would write prices up on the board, say like BHP shares, $5. And then people on the ground down below would be like, I'll buy five BHP shares. And then someone else in the room would be like, I'll sell you five BHP shares for this much. And then the prices would adjust and- Yeah, it's so the share market is just a marketplace. So Mm. you- you, for whatever reason, think that BHP is worth X amount and you're willing to pay someone else that amount to buy it. And then the other person on the other side, the seller, has to be has to think the sale's worth what you're worth willing it. to pay. And then if you're both on the same page, your order gets matched up. You get, your order gets done. So the people, the organizations that do these share brokerage accounts, they're not just like you and I just don't go and start one. They're actually like accredited, yeah. Yeah. able to access this ASX and- it's all pretty safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're ma- it's usually good going with a larger broker. Yeah. Um, there are some smaller ones, some startup ones. So um, I, I guess compare your options. There's different fees out there. They don't do it for free. Um, mm. And sadly, a brokerage in Australia is not as cheap as it is, is in the US. So mm. um, I guess that does make you consider every purchase you make yeah. because brokerage can hit you hard. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, my. Opinion. You probably don't want to pay more than $10 for a buy or sell order that you place mm. if your value of the your buy or sell order is in total less than a 1000 bucks. So, if yeah. you just want to buy $1,000 of BHP shares, for example, that you don't want to pay more than $10 to the no. broker. No. Yeah, I right. think most Australian brokers are sort of, if you're not talking about huge amounts of money, anything over 1000 is nineteen ninety-five a trade usually. Yeah, okay. That's good to know. Okay, and that comes out automatically, obviously. So, we've talked about the difference between gambling and investing, investing being longer term. Yeah. You know, you can reliably predict that it's going to do something well. Uh, gambling's more like speculation, so we to yeah. talk about where it's, you don't really understand what's going on, why things happen, mm. what the risks are, etc. When it comes to shares, can you tell me what they are? 
What is what is a share? So it's part ownership in a company. So a company could have as little as two shares. Um, you could just be starting a business with a friend and you could have 50-50 ownership of the company and you mm-hmm. o- both own one of the shares each. So the company is made up of two shares. So it could be as small as that. Um, it, you might have a small business and have multiple business partners and have different shares and someone might have put more money in so they might own three-fifths of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be as small as that. And then when you're on these um, massive listed companies uh, who ha- that have millions and millions of shares and diff- all sorts of people can own, massive companies can own different amounts of that company. So you can actually choose how much of the company you want to buy and you want to buy 500 shares. So you own 500 out of X however, many <laughs> however many shares there are. Yeah, I often get this question that it's always like, well, this share is worth $50 and this one's worth $2. That makes the one worth 50 better. And that's not right. No. And the reason why that's not right is that let's imagine you and I have a pizza, right? We're going to share this pizza between yeah. us and it costs us 10 bucks, And it's cut into five slices yeah. or five shares, right? If it's 10 bucks and there's five shares, it means each share is worth $2. Yeah. But let's say we cut the pizza up into 10 slices instead of mm. five slices. That now they're worth a dollar instead of two dollars. It doesn't necessarily matter if it's one dollar yeah. or two dollars. It's still a slice of yeah, the same. It's pizza. all relative. It's just different way of cutting up the company. That's a right. company can choose how many shares they want to issue, how much they want to start. Um, when they initially list on the stock exchange, um, they can choose how much they want the shares to be worth. So it, just because it's cheaper or more expensive, it doesn't mean too much. Yeah, like people always say to me. Oh, look at these US companies, these big technology companies. They have a $1,000 share price. I'm like, yeah, but you get more of the company. Yeah. And it's probably a better company than if you paid four cents for some speculative mining company yeah. that's operating and hasn't ever made a profit. So, it doesn't make a difference. Mm. It's it's what you're getting. Like, yeah. If you get a rotten pizza, it doesn't matter if you pay 10 bucks or 2 bucks for it. Yeah. The point is just to focus on what's, what you're actually getting. Yeah, and people, different people value the pizza differently, so the shares differently, and um, they'll put different values on it for whatever reason, um, and then that can change, that can shift the price up or down depending on how much value people place on that particular share of the company. Mm, cool. Okay, so we're going to talk about why I like to invest in shares, but yep. before we do that, what are some of the things... Like what's that kind of like a checklist you like before if you like before you start investing? What are the some of you some of the things you should be doing? So instead of going out and just when you have your first five hundred dollars and buying whatever tip your friend tells you um, is the next big thing to buy as a single share, um, it's important to really start learning about how the share market works and then actually when you figure out a company you like, actually doing some research on mm-hmm. them rather than just going out and uh, doing just wasting $500. So I think it's important to maybe have a friend or someone that you can do it with and talk about investing with mm-hmm. um, just so you can share those things you learn, um, learn from each other's experiences. It's really good to talk to someone who's already bought or sold a share before so you get mm-hmm. some experience there. Have you actually spent some time to learn how investing works and how the stock market works so you are confident with what you're buying? Mm-hmm. There's the ASX share game. So that's a good opportunity to even just see how the mechanics work. But um, there's ways you can, so paper trade, so you can pretend to manage a share portfolio of $100,000 for a year and see how you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you could just write down what you're buying when and see how that goes. 
-hmm. especially if you're just starting out very small, um, you might want to practice for a few years while investing small amounts in the background just to see if you can actually do the research yourself. So so you might just say, I'm going to imagine that I have $1,000. Just Mm. imagine that I have $1,000 and where would I invest that and then track that over time. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, there's plenty of podcasts too, right? Podcasts yeah, so like I think one. it's important to learn from people as much as possible to learn from their mistakes. It's good to make your own mistakes, but if someone else has made a mistake already and you can learn from their mistake, if you can avoid making the mistake, then you may as well. Mm. Um, so there's podcasts now, there's newsletters. So many of the world's smartest investors, including Warren Buffett, actually fully disclose what they're buying and selling. They write memos, newsletters, they present at mm-hmm. conferences. So YouTube, their websites, they put so much information out online. So find the good investors and uh, the ones who are honest about their successes and their failures because that's you can learn just as much from the failures and actually learn as much as you can from them and maybe take some f- investing courses, mm-hmm. make sure they're independent as much as they can be so they're not trying to spruik you a particular small cap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess – Learn as much as you can. I think Owen's saying an hour a day is a good place to start. Um, so Yeah, you don't have to do an hour a day, but uh, we, we talked about this before that it's the, the time that you pay yourself that's most valuable to you mm. in the long term. So for me, that was putting aside an hour a day in the morning to yep. read or to, to listen to whatever, to watch something that was I was learning from. Yeah. And that could be when you're in the train. It could be when you're in the car, podcasts like this one, hello. Uh, it could be just listening or reading something else. You know, that applies to anything. It's not just investing yeah. or finance, but even that's an important topic. Could, yeah. You, Are you, you going to put the time in to learn how to manage your money properly? That's right. Yeah. Just just, just a little bit of time each day and eventually mm-hmm. that will snowball and you'll be very, very confident. The other ones that we've identified are probably just things like having a good budget before you invest. There's no yeah. point putting $10,000 in shares, like putting all your life savings in there and then it falls 10%, you freak out and then you pull your money out and all of a sudden you're a thousand bucks behind. Yeah. The thing is debts. So we've talked about this in the yep. in discussion on credit cards. If you're paying 20% interest on a credit card and you're only earning 5% from your investing, just pay off the credit card. Yeah. Paying off your consumer debts first yeah, is yeah, important. For sure. Um, another thing is, yeah, you've mentioned it, which I'll say is just um, talk to people around you. So yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but if he's listening, he'll know who he is. When we when I started investing, I had a friend, and uh, we did a diploma of finance and <laughs> some other stuff because we were interested in it while we we're going through uni. And then we went through the newspaper, and he's like, "Oh, maybe I'll buy this share." And it was kind of probably something like Telstra or something really conservative. I was like, "No, you buy the one that goes up ten percent the day before," and like this really exciting thing. And so he bought it, and then it just went to like nothing in the next couple of months. And but that was <laughs> Great like friend, you are. I'm, 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 you know, he's probably listening. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, that's a really good way just to, to experience things together. You can just be like, hey, what's a dividend? I'm supposed to get a dividend. How does it work? And then he'll be like, or she'll be like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. And this is, I've just learned about that. And then yeah. you can share. It's just like going to the gym or whatever you do. Just do it with someone. It's a bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Partner. One of your uni mates or your colleagues at work might be a secret share investor and they might have some it. tips for you and help you get started. Another way is to use a, a forum yep. or something like that. Just be aware that some people who post there and appear really knowledgeable could be uh, just spruiking or doing the old pump and dump, as we call it. Yeah. So, just be really positive about something in the, in the hope that it pushes the share price up so then they can sell it to you. Yeah. Uh, so, just be aware. And the same as with blogs and all the rest of it yeah. and podcasts. There's a lot of patting on the back and people that have weird associations. So, just yeah. make your mind up, but also yeah. and use And read a variety well. of sources yeah. um, to make sure you're, you've sort of validated whatever – 
fact from multiple sources um, mm. just before you make any decisions because everyone's got an agenda. That's everyone's right. everyone's pushing something. Everyone's writing something for some reason. Um, so it's important to know. Mm. Just quickly, how you might get investment advice, you could pay for financial planner. Yep. That uh, like, There's heaps of these resources that are free online. Which is Yeah, and you- then you can also pay for a sort of a full service broker. So that'll charge you lots of money, um, but that'll yep. tell you what to buy, what to okay. sell, mm-hmm. and uh, take a clip from all the brokerage as well. Okay, so it's kind of like a financial planner that only does investing. Yeah. Okay. And then you have like research services, so companies that don't take a commission, but they get they provide research. Yeah, so, so there's some in- independent research providers who will explain why they're buying or why they're selling particular stocks and they'll charge you an annual fee or a monthly fee and they'll provide you f- independent information. Yeah, cool. And then we have brokers. So when you log on to your account, yeah. uh, if you have a share broking account, there might be some research that's automatically in there. So they'll often say, oh, Morningstar rated this share buy at X amount or something like that um, mm. or different different um, research providers. Like so like Goldman Sachs is another big name that you might hear. Or, yeah, so yeah, they'll any give of you this for free often in your brokerage account. But um, bear in mind that brokers make money from you trading, buying and selling regularly. So they in- they are encouraging you to make more purchases and more sales. So just keep that in mind. It's probably I think it's a good way to good a good place to start. So start with the, the sell recommendations. Yeah. And then go from there. Rather than the buyer, what do they want you to buy? Start with what they, yeah. why they're telling you to sell. And focus on their opinions because at the end of the day, all this stuff is opinion. Mm. There's the old saying that if you go into a library and there's 500 books on investing, obviously there's no one right answer. Yeah. So that's, it's like, it's the same with childbirth and raising children. There's no <laughs> one book that tells everything to everyone. So yeah. there's opinions and opinions aren't always right. Yeah. So just sometimes it can be more useful to get the negative opinion, not mm. the positive one. Another good place to have a look is fund managers' websites because most of them have blogs now where they'll write about what stocks they're buying or selling, Mm -hmm. which don't necessarily follow what they're doing, but have a bit of a read and follow their process so you can understand different active investors' processes and you might get some ideas or ways of thinking out of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really good way to do it. Just bear in mind that they may have uh, a position in that investment, so they might be overly... Bullish or positive. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I think you've got a hard question for me, Kate. Yes. So I know Owen is a fan of individual share investing. So I wanted to ask you, Mm -hmm. what Uh do you think makes you better than the market average? What makes you a better investor than just buying an ETF and getting the market average? Yeah, sure. So uh, I should back this up by saying that I'm an active investor. So I invest... Uh, I pick individual shares, I'm paid to do that, and I've built my company on that effectively. And to answer your question, I think you need to understand why most active investors underperform. And we talked about that in the last episode with index funds or the average versus active investors. And one of the reasons is, and one of the biggest reasons is that they have very high fees. So if you think about a fund manager that takes 1% to 1.5% of your money from you to pick individual shares, so they just take that from your investment, they're 1% to 1.5% behind. So for the math nerds out there, if you have a normal distribution, which just looks like a bell curve, and the average is in the middle, what you're effectively doing is you're moving the entire bell curve for an active investor one way. And then that's why you have a skew in the results. So it looks like 70% of active investors underperform is because the fees is actually moving the average down because they have to outperform again. Mm. So what that means for people that aren't playing along at home is that the fees 
are often a big reason why active managers do worse than average. And so what's the way that you can get rid of the fees? Well, there's a few options. You can invest with a no-fee fund manager. So a fund manager that only takes performance fees. And there are some of them in Australia and they're becoming more and more prevalent. And I expect that they will do over time. Or you could do what I do and you could invest in your own name. And you don't pay fees to anyone. Hmm. I mean, you pay a brokerage fee, which is like 10 bucks every time you buy or sell or whatever. But if I buy a share of a company, let's say Microsoft, I don't own that company, but let's say I wanted to buy a share of Microsoft and I, will, I buy it and I hold it for 20 years, there's no fee for me to hold it, hmm. at least not with the brokers that I use. So I could buy it, own it and benefit from that company paying me dividends and doing really well over a very long period of time. And I don't pay a fee for that. So that's one of the reasons. The second reason is that, and this is a contentious one, is that when you take a market average, and this is what we talk about with index funds, it's important to know what the average includes. So here in Australia, the average, the ASX 200, includes a lot of bank shares. So if, I, if, you, if you know how a bank runs and how they make money, you can potentially identify the benefits and the weaknesses in that, and then you can position yourself and your investments accordingly. So I don't own any bank shares here in Australia because I think there's a few tough years ahead. But also mining companies, right? Here in Australia, we have the second biggest industry in Australia behind the banking in terms of the share market is uh, is mining. And if you think about the economics of a mining business, you have them paying a lot of money for mines, for restoring the, the mine site to for conservation reasons back to what it should be. You have a lot of cost involved with expensive mining equipment and people. And what I'm getting at here is that when you individually invest or you invest for yourself you can identify businesses that are potentially better than other businesses. Mm. And I truthfully believe that. And I don't mean in the sense of I'm going to get every investment right. I mean that on average, I'll identify better businesses than other investors. For example, when I look at individual shares, and let's say that there's 200 in the ASX 200, and that's what most index fund investors get. Off the top of my head, I own three of those, not 200. Mm. And it's because I believe over a hundred of them are absolute garbage. <laughs> and that is belief has been good for me and it's, yeah. it's made me money. And that's because I wouldn't be comfortable in those, whether it's for, you know, there's ethical reasons. I want to exclude some of those. Or if it's because they are run by people that aren't good business people. Yeah. Or if it's because they have lots of debt. So I believe that if I can identify the companies, like let's say I have 30 companies and of those 30 companies, they all have really positive traits in common. So they might be in growing industries, they might not have any debt, they might be led by people that are really good at what they do, they might be subject, subject matter experts, for example, they might have some sort of technology that's really good. Mm. I'm not going to get all 30 of those right. But what I might do over the next 10 years is get 15 of them right. And the share market is one of those things where you can lose 100% of your money, but you can make a hell of a lot more. <laughs> so you don't need everyone to go right. Peter Lynch who's a famous uh investor who said that if you're good, you'll get six out of 10 right. No one's ever going to get nine out of 10 mm. right. And that's true. You you can have one or two right or good calls over a long period of time and they can outweigh the other losers that you pick. So yeah. I don't want to dwell on it too much because there's a lot of nuance in it. But if you allow yourself time to own only shares in the best companies in the country or in the world for that matter, then they're going to compound, and we talk a lot about this, at faster rates than either you or I or anyone else can achieve in any other way. So, you know, with the house, for example, 
with a house, you're relying on external influences, right? It doesn't make money in and of itself other than rent. And that's mm. also driven by external influences. But a company that can produce a product which is unique, which is very low cost to make, which none, none of their competitors can come in and, and create because it's their product, whether it's for legal reasons, for whatever reason. Mm. Then over time, what you're going to find is that those companies produce more money than the average company. Yeah. And I'm just going to give you an example, and it's not one that, you know, I'm telling you to go and buy or sell, but Apple is an example of that. So it produces the iPhone. There's other iPhones out there. There's other phones out there, but there's no other iPhones. <laughs> yeah. It produces the iMac. There are no other iMacs. It has iTunes. There's Google Play Music. There's um, Microsoft might have one of service or similar. There's Spotify, you know, but there's only one iTunes. And if you can find businesses that can compound your money and you can give them a chance to do that, I think you'll do better than average. Mm. And that's how I think about it. Yeah. But here's the thing. For anyone that's like, this is just so much blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't say that index funds are bad. In fact, I have some in my portfolio. Yeah. So, for example, the the easiest way I think an investor can get started and keep going is to start index investing while yeah. they learn. Mm. And so that might mean you have save a thousand bucks a month if you can. And you might invest in one index fund this month. And the next month, you invest in another index fund. And maybe you get to a point where you're okay. You know, I say, okay, I've got this good core, like yeah. this strong index fund portfolio that's slowly growing. Okay, and I'm feeling pretty confident and now I'm ready to go and buy individual shares. Mm. And I might try my hand. And you might go, all right, instead of putting all my $1,000 every month straight into an index fund, I'll split that up and I'll put 500 yeah. in this and 500 in that. And it might be an individual share or whatever. And I think that's a really important thing because, you know, index funds aren't infallible. There's, they have issues, we haven't experienced them for a few years, mm. but they do have issues. And some people are getting a car bit carried away. <laughs> so it would be good to not, as the girl says in that tortilla ad, that taco, as he <laughs> says, why not have both? Yeah. And you don't, you know, you don't have to have one or the other. You can have both. And so yeah. that's how I combine them. I have like this big core of index funds and then I have the more tactical, expressive mm. positions in individual shares. So that's mm. a long winded way. I hope that answers your question. Do you have any questions on that? But it's certainly taken you quite a lot of many years and oh, yeah. a lot of effort and time to do that. So yeah, you not, have to be prepared to put in the work. Oh yeah, not to blow my own trumpet, but <laughs> I've been doing this for a while and I've uh you know, I've done a few degrees and all the rest of it. Yeah. And read thousands and thousands and thousands of different things and learnt the hard way with a lot of things. Like I still buy crap companies. Like a few years ago I bought Slater and Gordon shares. That went from like seven dollars to like nothing. <laughs> Uh, I've bought companies that did like satellites or they proposed to do satellites, lost all my money there. And this comes back to it. Like I've had to learn the easy yeah. way and the hard way and I wouldn't change it. Mm. Of course, with hindsight, I'd go back and buy all the shares that doubled overnight, <laughs> but I can't. So, you know, I think to this, what we're talking about here isn't for everyone. Mm. In fact, it's not for most people. Most people should just stick with an index fund and just accept that that's yeah. what they're going to get. I'd say maybe it's probably higher than 90% of people. But for people that are curious about how things work and for people that have time, mm. whatever amount of time that might be, or people that, you know, just have a genuine interest in finance and business, it's good to become an investor and to learn how things work. Yeah. And, um, and make, mix it up. So you've got your passive and your active investing strategies. Like you could have a, a robo-advisor. I think you've said to me in the past you had a, an account with just about everyone. You have like a, a bank account for <laughs> I, this, I an investor for that. I tested a few of them out, yeah. I've recently culled quite a few over the year. 
But there's nothing to say, I mean, unless you're paying excessive fees with each of them, mm. there's nothing to say you can't have a robo-advisor that you put 100 bucks in a month or an ETF that you put 1000 bucks in a month or a property account like a savings account that you're saving up for that you put money aside. Nothing to say you can't do all those things. And for me, with individual shares, it's about having the belief in myself and the confidence that I can do that mm. because I put in the time and I really do my work. Yeah. But it's also having the humility to say that I might not be right. And I don't want to miss the boat because I'm not right. Yeah. So I think people that go and say, yeah, I'm the best investor in the world and Warren Buffett come at me, you're, prob- you're going to be disappointed. Most mm. 99.99% of cases, you're going to be disappointed. So don't just t- don't marry yourself. Someone said to me once that they, um, the way they invest is not in a religious way but in a spiritual way. So <laughs> it's not necessarily like you don't just tie yourself yeah. to one way of doing something, but you actually you believe in it but you're willing to accept that there's yeah. other ways to do it. Because the stock owes you nothing. It's that's right. Gonna, you can't like... It doesn't care about your feelings. That's right. It's not going to go up just because you will it to go up. Yeah. Some people try that and it's actually illegal. But yeah, it, at the end of the day, it's only... It's just going to do what it's going to do. And yeah, you know, if you think... And this is one thing that Peter Lynch, one of the great investors, emphasized is that if you think a product is going to do well, like if you use it all the time and you're willing to pay for it, chances are other people are willing to pay for it too. Mm. And that's the hallmarks of a good business. Yeah. And I know you've got some free oh, yes. courses on Basque Finance yes. on how to actually get started with all this share mumbo jumbo. That's right. Yeah. We've got <laughs> Go courses. from zero to knowing what you're doing. There's some more advanced stuff on there. Yep. Which you like for the hardcore investors. I don't think I've tackled that yet. <laughs> yeah. So don't go straight to that. But yeah. we have some um, like some email stuff that you can do as well if you want to be spammed. But there's there's some free courses that we'll link to. But, yeah. Um, and which- one of them's like a... It's a step-by-step checklist. Yeah. So it's pretty simple. And so it's a good place to start. Yeah. And we'll link some good books we like on share oh, investing yeah. so as well. So many good books. Um, so yeah. that's, um, we'll put those in the show notes and uh, hopefully that's a starting point for you if this is something that interests you. Mm. Yeah. And fire away questions. We're always eager to get questions. Yeah. Like hard-hitting ones from Kate. <laughs> I love those ones. No, they're, the best, they're the best ones. You don't want people, like you and I invest differently, right? Mm. That's a good yeah. thing for us. And we're also at very different stages of investing as well and our journeys. So mm. um, that definitely, I don't think I have the skills and confidence yet to invest in individual shares, but you've, you're have you quite, you're further down the track. So, Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I might be coming back to your track soon. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But no, it's true. And finding people that disagree with you, it's just in all walks of life, a typic- is typically a better way mm. to live your life because you'll get answers, you get better answers quickly. Yeah. So, Kate, action points from this episode? Yeah, I think uh, look through the show notes, have a look at some of these free resources and invest in books, go to the library, get a stack of books out, have a flick through them, mm-hmm. um, read, listen to some podcasts um, and just sort of even explore it as an option. It might be something you do five years down the track um, mm. and you just yeah, start with point. ETFs for now, but you want to do share investing later down the track. But even now, it's good time to start learning and just um, – sort of exploring how it all works and start to look at the world around you as investable items. So That's right. You yeah. can yeah. Everything in your room's probably related to something. Yep. There's to some do with some investing. companies are private, meaning they're owned by people that you can't you know, you can't go and buy shares. But mm. chance most of the big ones in the world, yeah. Uh, the big products that you use are public. So things like oh look there's an Starbucks, McDonald's, M- McDonald's Apple. Coca Cola. Uh <laughs> Whoever publishes that book on the table over there, like yeah, Kmart, this table. So all these types of things, yeah, uh, you can go and you can get exposure to. And that's why a lot of people get started. They just hmm. 
pick a company that they use every day, like you said, and uh, just explore it more. Yeah, I ch- told my friend to go and buy that um, that weird little thing, that company that went to nothing. But I actually bought NAB shares, to be honest. I think that was the first thing I bought. don't know how long I owned it for, probably about four seconds. But <laughs> but I ended up buying NAB shares because it's the only company I could think of that I used. Yeah. Yeah. So I held, I held Telstra for a hot minute. I did too, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing at the time, so that didn't last long. <laughs> but that's true, right? That's how you do it. Yeah. So that's how you get started. So, Kate, uh, questions. How can people reach yeah, out to us? Get in touch with myself at How to Money Australia on Twitter and Instagram and www.howtomoney.online if you have any feedback, suggestions, or questions. Cool. And raskfinance.com is the place to find some show notes and a question function. You can just put in a question there. And I'm Owen Rask on Twitter. It's Owen and R A S K. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kate. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest... Now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.